Superman Forever Radio, Episode 89, Kryptonite Forevermore. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the engine of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever Radio Podcast. I'm Bob Fisher. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you had a good one. I did. Hope you had a good Christmas. I did. Got some cool Superman stuff. I hope you did. Got some t-shirts, caps, action figures, a couple of books. Great book, by the way. Great, great book called The DC Vault from uh, by Martin Pascal with a foreword by Paul Levitz. This is an incredible book, hardback book, all kinds of stuff inside this book, stories of DC uh, on the inside, lots of pictures, lots of stories, some reprints, some actual little covers, little promotional things. It's just just chock full, over 200 pages of incredible stuff uh, called the DC Vault. That's just incredible from Kim. Thank you, Kim. Let's see what else happened. Oh, Stephen Villa. Got something in the mail from Stephen Villa, a... Uh, comic Superman Secret Identity Trade. And uh, P.S. Stephen, thank you for that. But P.S. Kim uh, likes the bird nest and has it in her studio now. So thank you for that. So if you'd like to send email, by all means, send it. Bob at SupermanForever.com. Love hearing it. Love reading it. And in fact, we're going to try something now. I'm going to try something and see how this works. First time for the new season. We're going to try something new and see how this particular technique works for doing some email. Here's some email from Zach Dorman from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Bob, I just started re-listening to the podcast. I really enjoy the positive ambience of the show. Although I'm not especially a Superman fan, I do love the podcast and love absorbing the information you and the former host, J. David Weider, have provided. Good stuff and keep up the great work. I recently listened to The Christopher Reeve Show, and while I've never given it much thought, I probably would have to agree with your points on Superman 2 and the romantic scene at the Fortress. Excellent point of view. Now to a few questions, if you don't mind. Now that there has been some time and space since Man of Steel has been out, I would love to hear a show where you talk about it. I didn't really track all the online back and forth where some absolutely hated the movie and others loved it, etc. I was in the middle of the road, so to speak. I thought it was quite well done, and a decent Superman movie, although, it still doesn't beat Christopher Reeve and Superman I, and I. But, all in all, I liked it. I would be definitely be interested in hearing some more specific views you have on the movie, and how it relates to the rest of the Superman mythology. Okay, to the first bit, thank you very much. I do appreciate the, the kind words, and speaking for Dave, the awesome J. David Weeder, we both thank you for that. Thank you, that's very nice. Uh, by the way, Dave is back. Dave's Daredevil podcast is back on the air. New episodes. So you need to, you know, get on over there. Dave's Daredevil podcast. The awesome J. David Weeder. Uh, but to the question, the first question, Man of Steel. I guess it has been a little conspicuously missing from uh, my Superman show that I haven't really talked publicly yet about the Man of Steel movie. Couple of reasons for that. One, uh, I did 
I was on two shows on the Two True Freaks Network right after the, the movie aired aired or uh, was released. 10, 11, 12 of us got together over at the Two True Freaks Network, and I assume that show is still available, and talked uh, first impressions coming out of the movie. The episode is called 12, parenthetically, Angry Superman, and uh, we all gave our first impressions and talked about the movie then. Uh, most recently, I was on an episode with uh, some other guys, <laughs> and that episode is not out yet, but but it will be soon, and when it does, I will let you know. But there were four of us talking again, doing Man of Steel Revisited to see how we changed, and um, that is pretty amazing episode too. So uh, until those episodes come out, and uh, a couple of other places where I talked about Man of Steel, I'll I, I'll wait to say anything in more detail on this show until those come out. Uh, but I will say that, you know, overall I enjoyed the movie. Okay? <laughs> so, back to Zach. As I noted earlier, while I'm not the Superman aficionado, I do appreciate some aspects of his history. My first encounters with him and other DC heroes was the Super Friends cartoon. And in that show, there was a specific villain that I really enjoyed, M.R. Mixiespitlik. I was curious as to any specific Superman or Justice League stories slash runs that you'd recommend that would include him. I'm aware of the Morrison run in action comics. Any others, maybe Silver Age or newer, that you'd recommend? Mixies Pitalik. Yeah, I like Mixie too. And there is the correct pronunciation, by the way. Mixies Pitalik. Mixies Pitalik. Mixies Pitalik. Okay, first of all, the name is spelled M X Y Z P T L K. Okay, no vowels. So you put your vowels in, so it's Mix. M-I-X-Y-E-Z-P-I-T-T-L-E-I-C-K. Mix yes piddle ick. Mix yes piddle ick. Mix yes piddle ick. And when you say his name backwards, when you make him rather say his name backwards, that's how you get rid of him and send him back to the fifth dimension for at least 90 days. His name is pronounced Kilt Pizzy Ixum. Backwards. Kilt Pizzyxum. Kilt Pizzyxum. Kilt Pizzyxum. So Mixia's Pitalik, when pronounced backwards, is Kilt Pizzyxum. Uh, Mixie's been around for a while. I like Mixie. He's one of my favorite characters, too. Uh, unfortunately, Zach, uh, I don't know of any place where all of his stories or best of Mixie's stories have been collected. There are Mixia's Pitalik stories in. Other collections, uh, the greatest Superman stories ever told, uh, has uh, his origin story, and that's you know so they're they're there, but uh, that's a good idea. We need to see if we can uh, get DC on that, make out a, put out a collection of Mixia's Pitalik stories. Silver Age is full of fun things, and Mixia's Pitalik is one of them. Sorry, I wish I knew more about uh, a collection of, and I just don't think they exist. And one final question. The intro music to the podcast, is that final part of the intro music commercially available? Any ideas of where I could locate a track of that music? Thanks again for the wonderful podcast and getting through this lengthy note. Keep up the great work. Regards, Zach Dorman, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Thank you, Zach, for that email. Some really interesting questions. 
The music, the intro to this particular show, was originally done by J. David Weeder, and it's a beautiful mix. I think Dave did a terrific job with that. It's why I still keep it. It's just, uh, it, it fits the attitude and temperament really well. So that's something that Dave Weeder did using combinations of sounds from a couple of different Superman locations. The outro music that I end at the very end of the show with, of course, is from the Adventures of Superman TV show starring George Rees. That's the ending music. Now, some of these songs and sounds you can hear actually by going to the Superman homepage website at supermanhomepage.com going to his audio file, media file section. And he has a lot of these sound samples and uh, music files there that you can find and play from the old time, including some interviews with Bud Collier from the radio show, some of the music, the intro and exit music from the TV show and radio shows, and actually some of the entire radio shows themselves. It's a great source, the Superman homepage. It's a great, great, great Superman source, and you should make it a uh, part of your daily routine to go by there and see what's going on. Cool. Also, thanks uh, to Phil Mancini for some terrific piece of email. And who else? Chris. Oh, Chris from uh, Superman Lives. Sent some nice email and curious also about the opening music. And thanks again to everybody else who sent in email. I'll work on the whole voice thing and see how that works for future emails and see if I can get that uh, uh, working like I really like it. So again, if you'd like to hear your email read on the air, send email bob at supermanforever.com. Check out the website, supermanforever.com. Okay, something else I wanted to mention here that's been kind of buzzing around. Uh, If you read comics, you probably know that there is a Batman 66 comic book based on the Adam West Batman show. You can get it digitally first from DC or Comixology. And now just launching, about to launch, is Wonder Woman 77 featuring Linda Carter in comic book form digitally first. And I assume that it'll do the same they've done with their other digital things. After the third or fourth digital episode, they'll put out a printed version of it. I just have this question. Now that we've seen Batman 66 comic, Wonder Woman 77 comic, could Superman 55 be too far behind? Well, a bunch of us have been talking about it on Facebook. There's been a really great conversation on Facebook about that very thing. A comic book based on the George Reeves TV show. And... Um, it's already been done to some degree, to an extent. There was a movie, a proposed movie, called Superman and the Secret Planet. And it was to feature George Reeves in the cast of the Superman, the Adventures of Superman TV show from the 50s. Now, of course, because of George's untimely death, all of those kinds of plans were shelved and never made it to light. But a fan has done a comic book based on Superman and the Secret Planet. And it's an online comic and it's free. If you go to theadventurecontinues.com, I think it's run by a man named Jim Nolt, who is one of the more knowledgeable people. Runs a blog, has a Facebook page called The Adventure Continues, and has has really kept the, the, the fire burning there. Well, he has put on his website 
and unfortunately I don't have the man's name right now, the writer and artist of it, but periodically it had put out pages of a comic book based on Superman and the Secret Planet. So if you go to theadventurecontinues.com, you will find that comic and you can read it online free. It's incredible and it will show you what potentially a comic based on the adventures of Superman would look like. It's very good. And he captures, you can just, as you're reading the thing, you can just, you know, totally hear the voices of all those characters and see it working out and see it play out. So DC, whoever's in charge of your digital stuff, it's it's there. I assume that because we see it, I'm even going a step further, DC. I'm, I'm assuming that because now we've seen Batman 66, very popular comic digitally and paperback, I mean paper, and now Wonder Woman 77, I know that right now you are working on Superman 55, and that will be out as the run of the Wonder Woman comic uh, gets going. I know we're going to see Superman 55. Let's put some pressure on it, people. Let's let DC and whoever be in power there know. This is something I think we're going to talk about uh, more in the future. But for the time being, to get an idea of what I'm talking about, go to Jim Nolt's page, uh, The Adventure Continues, and read this online comic of The Adventures of Superman. It's incredible. It really is. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. (coughs) No, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's, it's my Daredevil. You get it. You get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? My name is Michael Bailey, and I am a terrible geek. I don't watch Doctor Who. I don't care for anime. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I like Star Wars and Star Trek okay, but I've never really ventured far into the extended universes of either property. Hell, I have never even watched a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I have been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. To deal with this borderline personality disorder, I started a podcast in 2007 called Views from the Long Lost. Every two weeks, or so, depending on real life, I pick a particular series, or issue, or character, or whatever to talk about, and then I... Well, well, I talk about them, because that's kind of the point of a podcast. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I have a guest, like my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag. 
or my other semi-regular co-host, Thomas DJ, or with another friend from the podcasting world. The show is located at www.viewsfromalongbox.com, and from there you can find the iTunes link, the email address, as well as the backlog of episodes. Views from the Longbox. A podcast about comics, or a desperate cry for help? You decide. Every other Tuesday, or so, depending on real life, at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. A few episodes ago, I did something called, uh, well, I doesn't really have a name, but, uh, you know, I wanted to get an episode out, so I put a lot of stuff, uh, one or two word topics on little slips of paper and put them in the bowl and pulled one out. It was called, and it had on the, on it, Christopher Reeve. So I talked about Christopher Reeve off the top of my head, didn't really look up anything, just gave some opinions about Chris and the four movies. Just again, very, you know, not really thought out just off the top of my head, just gut. And got into a good conversation online about Marlon Brando's wig in in the first one. And uh, as you heard in this email, if you heard and it, it makes the makes the airwave from Zach Dorman uh, it was comparable to some of the email those that I got about that, where uh, people do, I think most, I don't know most, but most of the email, the feedback I got kind of agreed that they had rather the the love scene between Superman and Lois not take place in the Fortress of Solitude that it did. Uh, I don't mean not take place in the Fortress, but not take place at all. So that was interesting. Good feedback on that. But I thought I would do that again. I thought that was just really cool. I had fun doing that. And it kind of put me on the spot and it was kind of live and stuff and just off the top of my head and thinking, what do I know about those things as if someone had said bob what do you think about christopher reeve so this time pulled another name out of the hat bowl actually again that's a bowl and let's see what comes out as if you hadn't already heard the opening dialogue thing to the show okay those are all sounds of things spinning and turning and and what's on the piece of paper one word kryptonite Okay, kryptonite. What do I know about kryptonite? Well, I'll let you know right after this. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. So let's see. Kryptonite. Now, if you just go out on the street and just ask somebody, anybody, doesn't matter who, and whether they know anything about Superman or not, really, you could ask one of two questions to them and they will answer it. You could say, What is Superman's only weakness? And most people would know. If you've ever heard of Superman, you know his weakness is kryptonite or if you just walk up to this person and flat out says what is kryptonite they'll probably say that's the thing that will kill superman now that's 
your average normal human who just by osmosis pulls in things, um, you know, from out in the world, whether they probably saw the Christopher Reeve movie of some kind in their, in their life or Smallville. So they know that kryptonite can kill Superman. Now, a lot of people will think, oh, again, the crazy, silly silver age they had all those weird kryptonites were all over the place. Well, in the heart of the 60s, that is true to a degree that um, as of 64, 1964, basically 64, 65, there were basically five types of kryptonite, five. And everybody knows green kryptonite. That's the one that'll kill him. If exposed to it long enough or in certain ways, uh, it can kill him. And wonderful stories from Jerry Siegel and, well, terrific writers throughout the time period. Green Kryptonite was the one they would go to uh, if they wanted to kill Superman for some reason. The great one, Superman number 149 with that great cover of Lex Luthor having a machine with Superman strapped down on a gurney type thing, a bed thing, with the green Kryptonite gun pouring rays of Kryptonite on him as Superman turns green and dies with Lois, Jimmy, and Perry watching from another room. Beautiful, beautiful cover, great emotion, great story. In The Adventures of Superman with George Reeves, kryptonite was used several times. One was a chunk of kryptonite created by a professor. It was basically artificial kryptonite, synthetic kryptonite. And they used that piece, that same piece, for two or three episodes during the six-year run. There was another time where another uh, scientist invented basically a, a kryptonite ray gun, trapped Superman, get him to go down into a well, uh, a dugout bunker hole cement thing that the walls were closing in on uh, Lois and Jimmy. So Superman went down there to get them out, and then they turned the ray on and trapped him down in there. That happened in, that epi- in, in an episode, one of my favorites. But kryptonite actually started... And this is very interesting. And I think it was, and we might have to double check the figures again, I'm going off the top of my head. But 1943 made its first appearance, Kryptonite made its first appearance, or was mentioned for the first time, in the Adventures of Superman radio show in 1943. And I think the name of the adventure was, the name of the the multi-part episode was called the K-Metal, or something like that. Now, rumor has it that they invented kryptonite as a way to give Bud Collier some time off for doing the show, from doing the show, that the kryptonite uh, incapacitated him for several episodes uh, so that he could actually take some time off. Uh, I haven't recently checked that to verify that particular rumor, okay, but that's something that uh, uh, I have heard for a very long time that that's how kryptonite was invented as not a device to kill superman but as a device to give bud collier who did the voice of superman on the radio some time off and that was in 1943 that that happened and kryptonite did not then again appear in the comics okay now i'm I'm hesitating because in my brain my brain is saying 1949 was the first time it appeared in the comic. And I'm thinking, wow, that's six years. So it appears on radio, and it wasn't until 
six years later before it made its appearance in uh, a comic in 1949. I think I'm going to check that. That sounds too far. Maybe 46. Uh, Hold on, I'm going to go check that out. Okay, I was correct. It is uh, first appearance, radio, summer of 1943, and then not used in the comics until Superman number 61, 1949, is when it first appeared in the comics. So it took six years to migrate this great idea of the only thing that could kill Superman from the comics, I mean from radio to the comics. It took six years. And then... Once it was established in the comics, uh, the whole idea of uh, a chunk of the planet Krypton coming to Earth and hurting Superman, well, that just took off like wildfire. Because as me, as a little kid in the late 50s and through the mid-60s, kryptonite was used quite a bit. And not just the green kryptonite, as I was getting to. Now, the green kryptonite is what will kill him if exposed to him long enough or if uh, implanted or shot at him with a bullet or they've used it in many ways to try to injure him and kill him. But now Superman fans will tell you there's another kind of kryptonite called red kryptonite. Now red kryptonite will affect Superman in strange and unpredictable ways temporarily, 24 to 48 hours. Now what does that mean, strange and unpredictable ways? Well, it could be anything. Uh, uh, One time it gave him a third eye. Uh, Another time it uh, changed him into a lion. Another time it split him into two people. Uh, Another time it um, gave him a futuristic head. Another time, I mean, it goes on and on and on. It grew his hair out and he couldn't cut it. Uh, it. Just weird, weird things. I remember in a Superboy episode, that was really uh, one of those fun little episodes. I think they may have done it sometime around April Fool's Day. But it was a Superboy episode. And they told you up front, and you saw that Superboy had been affected by red kryptonite, been exposed to a chunk of red kryptonite. And you go through the whole issue, and they're basically challenging you, the reader, to figure out how did that kryptonite affect Superboy. And when you get to the final summary, the climax of the show, you realize, and they tell you, of course, and show you, that uh, it gave him a sixth finger on each hand. 
So instead of five fingers on each hand, he had six fingers on each hand. And you go back and you think, you know, at first you think, oh, come on. How are we supposed to know? And then you go back and look at the panels and the individual panels. And yes, they actually almost went out of their way to show Superboy's hands doing a number of things. And in every time there was his hand shown, uh, he had six fingers on it. Uh, other times, it's just just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, in an issue that we covered here on Superman Forever Radio uh, previously, the backup story we didn't cover, which was a red kryptonite story, where it made uh, Superman crazy or, you know, forget his, who he was and you just make him kind of little goofy, silly. And he went around walking around on his hands and acting crazy and they put him in an insane asylum for a bit. The fun just was too much to behold. So yes, the red kryptonite affects Superman in unpredictable ways for a short period of time, temporarily. And it can only affect him once. So if this piece of kryptonite over here in my left hand, let's say I've got two pieces of kryptonite, red kryptonite in my hands, and one in my left hand, I expose Superman to that, and uh, it turns him into an um, Ant-Man, which it also did in one episode. Turns him into an Ant-Man. So for the next 48 hours, the next two days, he's Ant-Man. Still has all of his superpowers, but he's got the head and the arms of an ant. He's, you know, doing those and leading ant wars. But um, once that effect wears off of him, if I were to take that same piece of red kryptonite and expose Superman to that red kryptonite again, it would not affect him anymore. So it can only affect one chunk, unpredictably, temporarily, once. But now we know that this particular piece of red kryptonite will turn any other Kryptonian that it comes into contact with into an ant person. Okay? Got that? So we're known on it? We, we got red kryptonite now? So, if I have the two pieces, now I take now I expose him to the piece in the right hand, and that will affect him, but again, only once, temporarily, and whatever. So it was used kind of as, in most cases, red kryptonite was used as comic relief, or... Um, during the 60s, one of the massive storylines, the, the prevalent storylines, is uh, uh, Superman keeping his secret identity. You know, will Lois find it? Will Jimmy find it? Who, you know, they were always, that was always a big problem and a threat that he was at any moment going to be exposed, that Clark Kent and Superman are the same. Uh, and that, a lot of times, is how the red kryptonite would be used. It's, oh no, I've been affected as Superman. Now if I show up as Clark Kent with the same problem, everybody's going to know uh, who is who. So that was fun. So those are the two prevalent and most used forms of kryptonite, green and red, throughout the 60s. There is also gold kryptonite, probably the most dangerous kryptonite, really, to uh, a Kryptonian. Uh, gold kryptonite will permanently remove a Kryptonian's superpowers. And that's pretty much all you need to say about that. Used in uh, several big-name, big-time stories. Well, I don't want to do spoilers in case you haven't read those 30-year-old comics. But uh, 
gold kryptonite will permanently remove, and this is not a temporary uh, joke or anything. Now, uh, granted, it did happen to Superboy once, but there was something else happened and Luther fixed it or did something by accident which gave Superboy back his powers. But gold kryptonite permanently removes a Kryptonian's superpowers. Okay, so that's those are the three main ones that affect Superman and Kryptonians, normal human Kryptonians. Then there's also blue kryptonite, which uh, affects bizarros, and white kryptonite, which affects all plant life. Now, those were the main five kryptonites through most of my reading of the Silver Age. So when people start to say, oh, there's dozens of different kryptonites and they overuse it, and it's just this, and this, and this, you can't blame that all on the Silver Age. The Silver Age, Atomic Age, may have invented it. Silver Age may have used it a lot, but it didn't stop there. There's also Black Kryptonite, which was used in Smallville. There's X Kryptonite. There is Z Kryptonite. There is Crystal Kryptonite, used once. Actually, we might talk about that story if we have some time. Crystal Kryptonite, known as Kryptonite 6. So multiple, multiple forms of kryptonite used in every era, every generation of Superman. In the Bronze Age, one of the most famous kryptonite stories was called Kryptonite Nevermore, where all of the kryptonite was uh, uh, turned into a different metal, and it wasn't kryptonite anymore and had no effect on uh, kryptonians. And a very funny and reprinted page of beautiful Kurt Swan art showing uh, basically close-ups of uh, a criminal trying to, you know, think he's got it made because he's got a hunk of green kryptonite and Superman takes it away from him and eats it. They tried to get rid of kryptonite then in the Bronze Age, uh, but it came back, things happened. And then again in the reboot, when uh, John Byrne rebooted in the 80s, in the mid-80s, his idea was to get rid of all of the kryptonite. Kryptonite had become too plentiful in that silver silly age. We got to get rid of all that crazy silly stuff. So we're going to get rid of all those kryptonite stories. Those stupid kryptonites. Got to get rid of those. So John Byrne's idea is there'll be one piece of kryptonite. It'll attach itself to the rocket that is holding the goo matrix that will eventually be born here called Clark. And that one piece of kryptonite will be the only piece of kryptonite. And then things happen. And then Smallville came about. And that stayed that way. Actually, they kept that for a long time. That, that The John Byrne thing, that there was only one piece of kryptonite. And it stayed that way for quite a while. But then you read stories, well, Batman has some. And Luther wore a ring that had kryptonite in it. There was a whole storyline where uh, kryptonite isn't supposed to affect humans. But I guess if you have it in contact with yourself for a long, long period of time, which apparently Luther made a ring, kept it on his finger for a long time, and he became infected. And that led to a whole different storyline there. So kryptonite has played a huge, huge part in the Superman mythos. And yes, even in the 90s, I think it was the 90s, in a Supergirl story, there was pink kryptonite yeah guess what that did yep you're right that's what it did yeah they went there they went there 
So, now that I've talked a little bit about at least the five main types of kryptonite, the green, the red, the gold, the blue, and the white, and as I said, when they needed it, writers over the, the rest of the history of Superman, right up to modern day, have used kryptonite and come up with other forms of kryptonite when they needed it for their plot device, and it may have lasted and or not. To me, the first time that it varied from those five main types was in 1964 in an issue of Action Comics, Action Comics number 310, The Secret of Kryptonite 6. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring Superman and Batman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, the DC Comics Presents Show, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, It's Superman, the Schuster Herald Podcast, the Carousel Podcast, Superman Forever Radio, Superman Lives, Up, Up and Away, Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy Podcast. The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bragg, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Saab, Bob Fisher, Chris Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So when the word for this episode turned out to be kryptonite, I wondered if I should also include, maybe talk about a story from the comics that also included or dealt with kryptonite in some form. And I thought, well, sure, why not? And I started thinking, you know, I really like the red kryptonite stories. I always thought they were kind of fun. So my mind started to wander and I started thinking of all the different comics that featured red kryptonite, all the stories that featured red kryptonite in Superman's long history that I knew of, that I had read, and going through them, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that would be funny, or that would be fun, yeah, that would be good. But over and over again, I finally settled on one that, because of the cover, I didn't actually remember the story, but it was the cover that I had remembered, and so I pulled it out and read it, uh, and remembered nothing about the story. I did not remember the story whatsoever, but I always thought the cover was an interesting cover for a kryptonite story. It's a great Kurt Swan pencils, George inked by George Klein cover. Action Comics 310. But the cover shows Superman kind of posed, pointing to the shelf full of uh, replica kryptonites on the shelf. Jimmy is pointing a camera at him, but Underneath the camera hood, we can see that it's not uh, a normal camera, that Kim, Jimmy has something hidden under there, a big crystal thing. And high in the center of the page, but high, we see some Phantom Zone ghosts or, you know, 
see-through phantom zone, people looking down at the scene. And Superman is telling Jimmy to make sure he tells his readers at the Daily Planet that there are only five kinds of kryptonite. And we find out that that big crystal thing under the hood of the camera is really kryptonite six. Now, as I said before, and this this story came out in uh, January 1964, had a March 1964 cover date. Leo Dorfman wrote it. Mort Weisinger was the editor. Pencils by the great Kurt Swan, inked by George Klein. I always thought that was a funny cover. If for no other reason than Superman is basically standing in front of the things that affect him the most or the worst. And he's telling the readers of the Daily Planet, here are the five forms of kryptonite. And you're standing right in front of them with them. And they're labeled green kryptonite, gold kryptonite, red kryptonite, blue kryptonite, and white kryptonite. And here they are. So the story will probably tell what the kryptonite is and how it affects Superman. And Superman's glad to let that information out. I always thought that was just really kind of funny and weird (laughs) that he would actually do that. But the story itself, underneath that hood of the camera, is what's called Jewel Kryptonite. And what Jewel Kryptonite does, this is the first time and actually the only time to my knowledge it's been used is it allows Phantom Zone prisoners to focus their thoughts through it to blow stuff up on Earth. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Now, this is a dense, complex little story for 13 pages. It's called The Mystery of Kryptonite 6. And it's about Jewel Kryptonite. And it features the Phantom Zone prisoner, Jax Ur. Now, in pre-crisis, the big, big baddie of Krypton was not necessarily General Zod. While he was part of the Phantom Zone and often conspired with Jaxer, the baddest of the bad in the Phantom Zone in pre-crisis era was Jaxer. He blew up one of Krypton's moons, and it was inhabited. So, yeah, he was a bad guy. And, uh, of course, had all kinds of other plans to take over Krypton and was sentenced to eternity in the Phantom Zone for his crimes. So, in the Silver Age especially, he was the baddie of the bad guy. So, if you wanted to have, you know, something really bad, one of the really evil guys from Krypton, uh, most writers went to Jack's Ur. Uh, Occasionally, there was General Zod, as I said, but... General Zod didn't really become the go-to guy until uh, the Christopher Reeve movies. So, um, but prior to that, it was Jaxer. And this story features Jaxer in, as I said, a fairly complex, dense little 13-page story where basically what happens is Jaxer convinces Superman to temporarily let him out of the Phantom Zone to help the people of... Uh, Atlantis, where Lori Lamaris lives, her people have contracted a disease. Then there's no known cure for it, but Jack Zur says he can cure it. So he convinces Superman to let him out of the Phantom Zone. And the two of them get into a time bubble, go back to Krypton before it exploded, so that Jack Zur 
can get something he needs there to make the serum. A little adventure happens. Superman begins to trust Zach Jaxer, but Jaxer's plan is to set this thing up from the Crystal Mountain so that a piece of uh, the Crystal Mountain itself of Krypton, when it explodes, when the planet explodes after they leave, it will put this piece of uh, of the Chris Jewel Mountain in orbit around Earth. Jaxer will come there and use it, and the Phantom Zone prisoners will focus their attention and start to blow stuff up, making... Oh, by the way, Jaxer then comes back, hypnotizes Jimmy Olsen into exposing Superman to Jewel Kryptonite, and the Phantom Zone prisoners focus their energies through the jewel and make stuff blow up every that has gas in it. Every time Superman goes by something that has gas in it, it blows up. Superman thinks he's uh, affected by this thing and will never change and uh, is convinced to leave Earth. That's his. That's the, the criminal's plan. And then they will be let out of the zone and take over the world. Of course, that doesn't happen. But lots of interesting things happen. Eventually, Superman then uh, figures out that it's it's the jewel that's causing the things to blow up and that they're concentrating on it. So uh, he gets rid of it by, say it together, throwing it into the sun. <laughs> so things don't blow up anymore when he flies by them. But it's very cool. It's a much better story than that synopsis was. It was a, a lot of fun to read, actually. So uh, because it has all kinds of fun stuff in it, in the, in the story. It's got the bad guy, Jack Sir. It's got time travel. It's got Superman going back to Krypton with another Kryptonian going through the forests and the, the great, great things that we like to see on Krypton in those days. Uh, it's got uh, a brief appearance by Lori Lamaris and her Kandorian, I mean her uh, Atlantean uh, citizens. It's got uh, Jimmy, of course, being part of the plot. Not knowing, of course, he was hypnotized, but doing that. It's got the fun scene of Superman uh, telling Jimmy that uh, there are only five kinds of kryptonite, and here they are. Oh, God, I still, it still just makes me laugh. Uh, and, of course, it's got uh, Superman winning in the end, finding the solution, and throwing it into the sun. It, it, it's just terrific. Once again... The Silver Age puts a smile on my face. The story was reprinted in uh, Superman number 227 from 1970 and The Best of DC number 36 from 1983. So nothing more recent than that that I could find. But if you can, track it down, try to find a copy. It's a fun, fun story to read. There's also the ongoing story of Supergirl. Uh, which was typical of action comics during this period of time, the ongoing saga of Supergirl, uh, which kind of started continuity uh, in a strange way in Superman mythos, because uh, the backup story in action comics for the longest time has been an ongoing kind of drama, soap opera storyline. Now, there are individual stories, things that happen each, each uh, issue, but overall, it has been her arc. It has been a story uh, arc of her becoming adopted uh, and adapting to that adoption of Earth parents. Then uh, eventually Argo City is found and her 
biological parents are still alive and all of them to get to meet. So there's a whole lot going on in the stories of those days. But anyway, the Kryptonite episode in Action Comics number 310 was the first and, to my knowledge, only time dual kryptonite has been used for the Phantom Zone since it was created specifically for this one task by Jaxer in the Phantom Zone. And Superman threw it in the sun. So there you have the Kryptonite episode of Superman Forever Radio. A little editor's note, by the way. Uh, recorded the earlier part of that, of this show. Uh, little timey-wimey stuff going on. That since recording that early part, when I was doing the email section and someone had asked what, where Zach Dorman actually asked what I thought of the Man of Steel movie and hadn't talked about it on the show. And I said, well, it'd be coming up later with a couple of guys, and I was very secretive about it. Well, I see now that on Facebook, Michael Bailey has announced <coughs> the upcoming release of that episode. So it is Michael Bailey, Andrew Leyland of Hey Kids Comics, Paul Spitaro of Back to the Bends on the Two True Freaks Network, and myself talking um, massively and almost four hours about the Man of Steel movie revisited. So check out Michael Bailey's views from the long box and that should be out real soon. And then I'll talk about it more here after that's been put out and then I'll, you know, say some more about it here. But I wanted you to know that, that since I did the earlier, Michael has now announced that it is ready almost to be released. So check that out. So thank you once again for downloading and letting me spend a little time in your ears I do appreciate it. My name is Bob Fisher, and this has been Superman Forever Radio. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Action Comics and Superman Magazine. Superman copyright, DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. <laughs>